Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. And welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Your podcast where you go through a portal, find yourself in a room full of lots of treasure, and see a purple dragon hovering and glaring at you. He's no Puff the Dragon. <laughs> Tonight we are continuing our series on adding Fringeworthy 2, and we are taking Professor Pixie's unique bent on things and video game worlds. And this, and this is a it, well, no, it is because we've discussed okay, Toon Worlds and their Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. You're you're putting a different spin on it because video game worlds are still stories; it's just a different medium. Yes. So we're playing to your strengths here. Now we've already done Pokemon. We've already done Legend of Zelda. Tonight we're doing sort of two worlds in one. You want to take this one, Professor? Yes. As he said with the purple dragon, this one will be dealing with Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot. Okay, do you want to explain how those two somehow interlink? The two main characters have met each other on multiple occasions. I have counted at least three where they've dealt with each other and each other's villains. Okay, so they pretty much are a mixed canon. It's getting to be like a shared world it continuity. It is getting to be a shared world continuity, yes. Okay, so this is good. We can hook these two up. Um, you did tell me a couple days ago when, okay, we're going to cement this down, that you're a little more familiar with Spyro I, than Crash? I am a little more familiar with Spyro than Crash because I've had more access to Spyro re- fairly recently. Although, I'm just doing the wikia research on the older games because my particular methods have decided to crop out. Okay, so we will start with Spyro the Dragon. Now, what I'm familiar with him, I saw a trailer for a video game when I was watching a movie at a theater and they were talking about whatever Spyro game was there, and I think it was like 10 years ago, and you had told me that that game has since been canceled and never made production. No, 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 no. What you were looking at, what um, what we were looking at was a was something to do with Crash Bandicoot that was canceled. Okay, but the trailer the that trailer I saw... The trailer that you saw, it really depends on how Spyro looked as to what game that was referring a to. A small, chubby, purple flying dragon. That's what I got. So <laughs> more, more cartoony. Yeah. Okay, so that would be dealing with a main, either a main series game, or it was dealing with Skylanders. 
I don't not be featured in this episode. I don't remember anything about Skylanders, so it had to have been a main series main game. Main series spiral game, then. Yeah. Netflix is doing a Skylanders animation and spirals in that. Yes. Do you but... want cigarettes while you're watching that? <laughs> but Oh, the look she just Skylanders gave me. Skylanders <laughs> will not be featured in this episode okay. because it is a spinoff of the Legend of Spyro series version of him. And what this episode is dealing with is the original series version of him. Okay, all right. All right, for those of us uninitiated in Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, which would basically include me and John, give us some background on Spyro. Spyro is a purple dragon. The purple dragons are of one of the rarer colors, obviously, although pretty much any color of dragon can be seen. And I'm looking on the spyro.wikia.com page for the character Spyro the Dragon. Yes. He himself is a bit immature and hot-headed, but hot-headed. he's a decent sort from what he's I'm reading here. He's a decent sort. Let me, let me read from Wikia. Spyro is known for being courageous, headstrong, eager, and arrogant. He has an immutable sense of heroism, friendliness, and has a fiery personality. He has little concern for his own safety and can be irresponsible at times, being extremely curious and hardly ever cautious, which could get him into trouble. Spyro gets into lots of mischief and is known to be cocky, a trait that can lead to his downfall. He has become much more arrogant after the events of Spyro, Year of the Dragon, and in more recent outings has actually denied help to those who did not expressly indicate that they would award him. Despite this, he still saves the world, even if it's not willingly. Spyro himself has minimal interest in love as he lost his chance with Elora in Ripto's Rage, and regards the scene of Hunter falling in love with Bianca as a sad sight. So it sounds like he is a rather young dragon. He is a rather young dragon, yes. With those general personality traits, he, as I said, he seems like a decent sort, almost chaotic good. Doesn't really care. Describe him. Yeah, doesn't really care for rules and regulations, but still tries to do the right thing. It's just he's not. He's going to do it in his own terms. He'll do the right thing in the end. Yes. Okay. Just in his own way. Okay. We'll do abilities here. Spyro's main attacks consist of charging his opponents with his horns and breathing fire at them. Because he's young, Spyro can't fly very long, can't breathe the continuous stream of fire. Instead, he just spits arrow-shaped fire bursts and glides from place to place. As he gets a little older, he learns to use his wings as a shield, swim underwater, double jump, head dive, and breathe a stream of fire. In in later games, there are power-up gates that temporarily give Spyro the ability to be invincible, fly, spit massive fire blasts, and charge extremely fast. In Enter the Dragonfly, Spyro gains ice, electric, and bubble breaths. In A Hero's Tear, receives additional water breath. Excuse me. He also gains the ability to cast various magic spells in the art of Dragonkata in Shadow Legacy. Okay, so as the game series as goes on... As the game series goes on, he grows and gains other abilities, yes. Okay. Now, we've got a general idea of this particular character. You have plotted in the Fringe catalog. Now, this is, remember, folks, I have taken portals 1, 2, 3, and 4, printed them all out, all the positives, all the negatives, zero in the middle. I used 3 and 4, and I just took them in order, and I said, okay, that first page is positive or negative 126, and I went from there. Mm -hmm. So let's get my Fringe book over here. 
Uh, just out of speculation, it wouldn't have to be six one minus six one. I think it is, or no. <laughs> Professor, hand me my fringe. Look right here. All right, we decided to put and, and and this was quick too. She really just was looking through and found what I was looking for was a prime that would fit. If it's one, I found this immediately connected it to the game. Okay, it's um, positive 60 prime, so in the Portals book, and this would be, I think Portals 1 still. Yeah, Portals 1, Celestial Fire, but it's Alt 4. So it's positive 60, 4, Treasure Vault. Back end of a vast vault with tons of gold coin and treasures beyond belief. There is a full ring station here, as well as a small trove of Termellorn artifacts. The builders are unknown. Oh, it clicked. No, she it, she looked at that. I saw her face when she found it. It it clicked based on the ending of Spyro the Dragon, the first game. Okay, all right. So I'm looking at the prime. It's Celestial Fire is the prime, and then the alt is Treasure Vault. Yes. Mm. That is where she decided to stick the world of Spyro and Crash. Now... A purple dragon, now if you're going to run this in a D20-esque OGL kind of uh, game mechanic, which for Inchworthy is still in the D20 mechanic, uh, I looked through my Pathfinder books, and I believe it is Bestiary... You said four. Bestiary four, pages 70 and 71, the Outer Dragons... The time dragon is quite purple. And from what you said, yes. Pixie? The the time aspect of the purple dragon is based in the Legend of Spyro series. But if you infer that they are connected, although one would actually obviously take place much later than the other, then the purple dragon does have some powers related to time. Uh, and that's listed here. Guardians of history, time dragons are the most powerful of the outer dragons. Watchers and waiters, time dragons guard the universe against those who would interfere with the natural temporal order. Again, this is just all clicking in place, folks. It's falling it like could. dominoes here. Yes. It's a thing of beauty. Um, now, it did say that in, in the wikia that he could shoot electric blasts, right? Yes, he has gained multiple different Breath type. Uh, let's see. Breath weapon, cone, 2d10 electricity, and that's the base one, Wyrmling small. And that would be his, that so, would be his rough size so, when you first meet him. So pretty much, remember, small in OGL stuff, that would equate him to about three feet tall. Because, yeah, basically, I think one to four feet tall is considered the small size class for OGL, because it's four to eight feet tall for medium. So, yeah, Spyro, if you were to use OGL stats, you could use a Wormling Time Dragon for Bestiary 4, pages 70 and 71, and it would fit right in. Now, obviously, spinal-looking cartoony, you can just chalk that up to, well, when, was, when the creator um, did video game, he made it cutesy, but the Spyro in this world... He made it cutesy to appeal to the small children. Right. Uh, you get to meet the Spyro on this, on this fringe world, not so cutesy, because... The, the time dragon here, he's got a lot of 
spikes and stuff sticking out of his head and spikes sticking out of his wings and just yeah this looks like somebody who means some serious business he's guarding the flow of time here folks uh, let, let me read the, the 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 color text for this dragon's cracked scales creak with frightening patient power some of its horns are ancient and brittle others new and pristine yeah this sounds like something you don't want to mess with if you're screwing around with time and oh. this comes I actually was able to find someone had uh, posted the picture. It, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He's oh, yeah. definitely yeah. not, oh, definitely not cartoony. There is both a Spyro and a Crash Wiki. So yeah, we have both the pages up here. As I said, Wikia has Wikia dot com. That's W I K I A. Has a wiki for pretty much everything. pretty much everything because that's what I use for Robotech, Star Trek, Star Wars is all on. They all the, the Crash Wiki itself is how I found the Spyro Wiki. Because okay, I was looking at that, and on their main page they have links to a good couple dozen other games. weren't you originally going to go this via the Crash route? I was going to go this via the Crash route, but I could do this more accurately with the Spyro route. Okay, so. We we are a united team. We come through the portal. We find ourselves in a room full of gold coin and also Termellan artifacts. Now, all you French-worthy players know, if you're a united team, one of the things you're looking for if you are still working for United, if you've not decided to, you know... Freelance. F this stuff, I'm out, and just, you know, be on your own. Freelance, John said. So you're on a United team, and you go through this portal, and you see not only gold coin, but but Termellern artifacts. Now, that could be anything from the temperature-sensitive metal to memory crystals and even a crystal key or two. You're going to be looking at that and going, hey, look, this needs to come home with Daddy. Yeah. Until now, whose vault would that be that you connected this all up? This vault is connected to... In the Spyro the Dragon game, this is connected to what is called Nasty's World. Um, G-N-A-S-T-Y. Just sounds nasty. Yeah. Yes, Nasty Nork. Okay. The the G is silent in both of those. It is also called the Junkyard. For obvious reasons. Okay. It doesn't exactly look very pretty like the other dragon realms. But Spyro comes here during the process of dealing with Nasty Nork and what and the spell he used to freeze all the other dragons into crystal statues. Oh, there are also crystal dragons. They were in D yes. twenty. They were in the three point five, and I think there might be in other Pathfinder stuff. Right. But yeah, I do remember crystal dragons being around. The only reason Spyro had escaped from that was because he was simply that small. Okay. So, as I said, we get into this room. We find this stuff. Nasty Nork's treasure vault, or the junkyard as he calls it. The junkyard is what the the area he's in is called. Oh, okay. So he the treasure it- vault is within the junkyard. Okay, yes. we're going to bring back up the spiral page. Um. Yeah, I'm looking at Nasty Nark's page. Um, (laughs) 
Oh, I see what they did, because in the Japanese, he's uh, Natsu Noku. All right. <laughs> yes. Nasty Nark, here we go. I'm reading, okay, this is the relationship. I'm still on Spyro's page, but this is the relationship between him and Nasty Nark. During Nasty's time of terror within the Dragon Realm, Spyro verbally admitted on numerous occasions that he had great disdain for the Nork King and was determined to bring him down for turning all the other dragons into crystal statues. After defeating his entire army of Norks and finally confronting him, Nasty chose to run during the battle, hinting that he may have feared Spyro. It is possible, though purely speculative, that Nasty avoided turning Spyro into a statue because he didn't see him as a possible threat. If this is the case, it was that action that led to his first defeat. He underestimated Spyro. Because he's a, he's so small. Right. Which, eh, mm, okay, yeah, that's never a good thing to do, underestimating your opponent, because that's often when you get caught with your pants down. Oh, I love it. Spyro was created by Charles Zimbillis. His original name was Pete. Yeah, because Pete the Dragon would have gone over yes, real well. Yes, his original name was Pete. Mm. That, that, well, also, you have to deal with Disney and Pete's Dragon. Which was that recently was also remade. Why it wouldn't yeah, so they, well. they chose Spyro, yes. Also, I was looking at some of the uh, concept sketches. He really had a big nose in the original concept sketches. Yeah, in one of Spyro's <laughs> earliest design sketches, and yeah. He was supposed to be green, but it was considered a bad idea because that would make him blend in with the grass areas. He was changed to purple because they wanted Spyro to be unique, as not many dragons are purple. Yes. Mm hmm. So, Norks are basically orcs. Yes, they From what I'm gathering, yeah. So, we're going... <laughs> so, you're going into... Okay, let me get to Nasty Norks' page. Here. Now, is it literally a new world? So, there's a dimensional gate from from uh, from his world to this world? Did he, or are we saying he went through the portal on his on Celestial Earth and... No, 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 no. The, the, the dragon realms, as they're called, are all, are all on the same world. Ah. The junkyard is just... So these are just different regions of different the same world, like America and world. Europe. Yes. Okay, so okay. we're not bouncing from dimension to dimension like... Uh, no. Hyrule and... I'm blanking. Termina. Termina. Not you. bouncing through dimensions that there are gates, but they lead to other parts of the world. Okay, I'm looking at Norks here. Squat, unintelligent creatures that first appeared in Spiral of the Dragon. They vary in appearance. Some resemble and sound like frogs and toads. Others look more like trolls and goblins. The most notable Nork is Nasty Nork. The most common Nork skin color is green. But I'm seeing more goblin. Okay. Yeah, they're just a bit bigger than a goblin, I guess. If you've seen the Pathfinder goblins, yeah. Other than the exceedingly huge ears. Yeah, I'm seeing these guys as goblins. Um... They're not really saying how big they are. They're not really saying, but... Uh... Oh, no, on the other hand, peacekeepers are immediately suspicious of the slimy race and refer to them as orcs. Okay, yeah. But they're saying because of varying sizes, they could be orcs and goblins and trolls, and they just, in the... this world, they all call them norks. Someone... As a somewhat bastardization of the names together well yeah well the whole my whole thing is that you're gonna get well because john has often said well the otaku on your team well you're gonna get the gamer geek on your team and and you go no these are all different things you name them all together fine whatever but and that's until they realize why they're all named that way right yeah 
in the source material for these creatures, you know, i.e., you know, Lord of the Rings, they use goblins and orcs interchangeably sometimes, especially in the in the Hobbit. In the Hobbit, you got the the orc ogre hybrids, which were the Urukai, the really big ones. Yeah, yeah, I thought they, yeah, those were. And then, of course, trolls were different. You know, they turned to stone in the sun and all that. You know, right. All right. Anyways, and anyways, what you huh. see if what you see on on the screen in the game is not what you see. You probably see something more closely to orcs, yeah, more or goblins. To the actual creatures, R- right? Yeah. Well, it's because remember they're gonna ch- whoever created whoever, you know Charles Pumley or whatever whoever created the series. Well, they said in the the wiki here, Charles Pumley or whatever. Let's try this. Go back. Um, back again. Back, back, back to the beginning. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some of the concept sketches for for Nor- for or- for Norks. Charles Zimbillis, that's who it is. So yeah, when Charles Zimbillis put all this, he probably you know he he made it all cutesy for kids, but because we have the running thing that. Because all the these fictional things end up in people's minds on Earth Prime, they create them as books and stories and video games and whatnot. They're going to change them a little bit. It's like, okay, no, I don't want this something this horrific in a kid's game. Let's make them cutesy and make them look like, you know, toads. They're orcs, but we're going to make them like this. So when the IDET gets to that world and they're, wait a minute, this is Spyro. Okay, that's not like in the video game. We're in trouble. So Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. So so does this uh, the standard question? Does this world operate on standard video game uh, metrics? So that is, you die, you respawn. Respawn. Do you want to do? We haven't really been doing that. We've we've been going off of the impression that these are real worlds. If you die, you real, die. These barring are real worlds. Barring but, magic or whatever that can resurrect you, you're dead, yeah. you're dead. There's no respawn point, yeah. I don't tend to do that when I do a video game world. I wouldn't want to do that in the Pokemon game that we've run. I just, mm. no. Okay. Though, we did say it does happen to Link, though. What was that? It did happen to Link, though. He did get respawned. The unique situation with him is that each one is a reincarnation of the same person. Okay. But I thought we talked. To, we we did talk about save points and crap like that, though, for reincarnation and stuff like that, or re- resurrection. Or, hmm. I think we we might have yeah. uh, we might have mentioned the fairies and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, maybe that. Yeah, I mean, but, but say we can always say with a hand wave. It's just it, that's the game. In, yeah, in the real world, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It would make more sense. <sighs> I remember you saying something about them that they'll get these ideas and it happens to come from this other world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if if you if, yeah, the, the concept of save points is more likely Link was special. You know, if he did get hurt, majorly hurt, there was at least someone watching over him someplace going, yeah, no. You're back. <laughs> so you know, because he was a because remember we we're saying that he's in a story verse and yeah, 
He's a ma- he's a major character. He's basically got plot immunity from dying forever until his story's over. Okay, uh, would this then this would probably be, because it's based on intellectual property. This would probably be a story versus well because there are several games that there spiral. There are several goes games that spiral goes through. Yes. Okay. But it's not that. It's could it be change and really nothing, or do the players get drawn into these tales and they kind of have to help out? That's what a story verse is. It's like Robotech would be considered a story verse because there is a step in the story arc, and yeah, would probably be drawn into this. Yeah. So if if you're saying that the Celestial Prime is the actual spiral, or is the is the alt the spiro? Alt. The alt. Positive sixty comma four is Spyro oh. and Crash's world. Ah, okay. So. Yeah. So that one ring station appears in. Nasty Nork's treasure vault in the junkyard. Uh, the the area itself is in the game called Nasty's Loot. Okay. Yeah, it's the last area you visit in what's called the Nork Nexus, also known as Nasty's World. Uh, you know, you're going to have people going, Nork Nexus, and... Uh... <laughs> well, at least the, the people playing Blizzness characters. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm looking at. They only have like a really bad picture of it too in on the wiki. That's not exactly very much. It's not exactly much better in the game. Trust me. Yeah. I have it. I remember a little about playing these, the original Spyro trilogy. Pretty much that that picture is pretty much a screenshot from the game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this world, um, I take it, and we're going to go through the typical questions that we ask for, like uh, Zelda. Take it that it's medieval level technology, so PL2, low PL3. The, yeah, the, the dragons tend to live like that. Yes. Okay, so yeah, this is going to be another medieval world. Are we going to say guns work or guns don't? I mean, this is another thing we got to, because again, pull the trigger and the bullet just gets pushed out the barrel and drops to the ground. Or do firearms work? Do those chemical reactions of gunpowder well, work? They they would. There are fireworks in several places. If there are fireworks, and that's the that, same chemical reaction as a as gunpowder, yes. fine. So yeah. their guns will work. And they don't have three uh, gods watching over things, saying, "Yes, fireworks can work." Those can't. So this is a little different place. Then it's a same. It, John, it's all the same chemical reaction. Yeah. I would not be that much of a jerk if I was GMing that world. But we did say that for the for the Link world, though, that it's basically... Well, those three were trying to specifically retard technology until it was discovered naturally. They want the... Those three are specifically... They don't want outside interference. Right. Yeah. And here, though, yeah, you put the gun out and shoot, but that pretty much means you're going against dragons, and dragons are notoriously bulletproof. Yeah, they're going to, yeah, they're going to look, you've done it my scale, use a claw to, like, just wave off, and then proceed to, you know, prove that old adage, do not meddle in the fair of dragons for crunchy, crunchy and taste good, good ketchup. ketchup. Yes. Uh, and they carry around large... Um, 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 nutcrackers. Why do you have nutcrackers? If you're an armor, we need to get you out. Yeah. <laughs> Why does that dragon have a can opener? Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, yeah, so, yeah. And also there's magic operational here, and dragons are definitely magical. Well, yeah, it already dragons says that... Magical well, it even said yes. that Spiro has other magic-like abilities that he gains Sh- in time. Spyro Shadow Legacy is very heavy on magic. Okay, so we have... If we have a mage, somebody who has been to the Bureau 13 world and talked to Colonel Talbot and said, yeah, you can go through magic training, sure. And he does... What, what I would do, my standard operating procedure would be, let's say you have a minor mage on the team. Yeah. And every time they go through a portal or even enter a node, they'll do detect magic. Now, even if the spell... Even if, even if there's no nothing magic right there... You can tell if the spell works. Right. So that mage on your team will go, oh, magic works here. Okay. We already know that we're probably going to end up being most likely in medieval world. They go through that ring station. They end up in Nasty Nork's treasure vault. And yeah, this is a fantasy world, yet he has Tremelorn tech here. Start stuffing their pockets. I would say it was probably just left there and just gathered up. Yeah. Just gathered up and put it here because it was shiny. Yes. So, so, well... For ma- okay, so we're doing the magic detection when they go through the portal or when they, or, or when they step on the platform. Because the, the platform depends whether or not celestial fire has, is magical. Well, pretty much we said if one world, pri- if the Prime's universe or one of the alts has magic, the entire node has magic. We've already determined that. So that means by, by this, by putting the Spiral Crash Bandicoot world on this node, the entire node is magic friendly. I thought it was, thought it was the prime that de- determined the entire nodes. No, what I've always been hearing from you guys is what I said. But I remember it just being the prime being the determiner. Let's see, other things about Spyro's world. So we have the Dragon Realms, which is pretty much where Spyro and all his friends live. That The ones that all got turned into crystal statues by Nasty Nark. Yes. Let's see. We have Ember, the pink dragon, female dragoness. Elora. Elora is not a dragon. Okay. She is a um anthropomorphic fawn. Okay. Yeah, there are other anthropomorphic animals. Yeah, we got Hunter the cheetah, Sparks the dragonfly. Bianca is a bunny rabbit. All right. So, so basically, the most human-like creatures are the Norks. Yeah, this is a definitely... Well, there are humans on this world. There are... There is more of a focus on the humans in the Crash Bandicoot portion. They're more common over there. Still, not as many as you would think. But consider all the other different creatures and races and whatnot. So, yeah, we've already got the buy-in on this world. We walk in. There's Termelon Tech there. Now, would there be a chance as we're sitting there going, oh, look, crystal keys, memory crystals, the temperature-sensitive plastic. The colder you get, the colder it gets, the more malleable this otherwise metal gets. Okay. You get to, like, 20 degrees, and you can mold it like clay. All right. So, well, I'm just thinking of there'd be, of course, other other tech, or it could be. I, I actually wouldn't throw keys in as tech. 
I would throw like memory crystals as tech and other devices. And, and when we say Tamil and technology, you know, a lot of folks mistake uh, Commonwealth. Commonwealth. No, this it said Termellon artifacts. I would say like all the other stuff I mentioned and maybe a low-level crystal key. You know, just one, but all the rest is the other stuff that is listed under Termellon technology in like the hair brushes that change the color of your hair. That type of stuff would be there. Just little baubles that Nasty yeah. Nork would have collected Little, little shiny baubles. Which means we can probably say that either Termelorn or other fringe travelers visited that world at some time. Yeah. I mean, there also would be probably thing. Yeah. I mean, besides the stuff that's in the book, we can, you can, you're the GM, you know, you're the GM. You can create your own Termelorn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. considering you're saying baubles. Okay. If it's baubles, uh, yeah, memory, yeah, definitely the memory crystals. And I'd be careful about activating the memories because you don't know who put them in. Well, <laughs> just using baubles as a general term. Well, you know, tchotchkes, would that be more correct? Tchotchkes. Yeah. I love that term. <laughs> we're aging ourselves. We're showing our age using that term. Yeah. From that little tiny little picture of his room, he he tends to get stuff that looks shiny and bright. So that you, what you're going to get, get you know, the hairbrush. Now nah, I probably got tossed away someplace. But this this little shiny bubble thing, if you hold it to your head or you're holding your hand, oh, I can I can imagine what it meet with tastes like eating a hamburger or something like that, or you know, or what that realizes the memory crystal. So probably a lot of memory crystals because they look just like other crystals. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. And what it, else? He is described as admiring the 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 gems of Dragon's Treasure. I do so. want to check out the Dragon Realms here right. because you, you said something about walking through the portal, there being a chance of something happening, but you devolved into that. Well, yeah. Let's say okay, you walk in there and you're there. You know, these IDEP people are going. Okay, this is Termellor Tech. We need to bring this back. Who would be walking in saying, would Nasty Nork himself be going, would he be it like, is, would he be like Graham Chapman's Bobby going, stop that, stop that? Yeah. It is more likely that either you're going to hear the sounds of battle outside, or you're going to see the, well, basically three foot tall purple dragon walk in. Yeah. Okay. And 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 Trav, it may not be uh, it may not be obvious that there's obvious Tremillion tech there. Yes, there's Tremillion tech there, but if it's all crystal keys and you know, crystal gems and like that, they may just mix right in. This is a time for that notice roll to make, and I'd put it yeah a, put at a high at a high DC if you're doing D twenty like a twenty or something like that. Just to oh yeah, realize wait a second, I know that shape. If you know that shape. If you don't know the shape, okay. then it's like, hmm, what is this? I don't know. Okay, from what I'm seeing of the Dragon Realms here, um, native species, dragons. Basically, I'm not seeing a lot of hu humans here. There aren't a lot of humans in the Dragon Realms. Yeah, the so... humans mainly feature in the Crash Bandicoot areas. Okay. There are a lot more of the of the anthropomorphic animals in the Spyro series. Um, the, the land of Avalar, which features in Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage, 
that's where Elora, Hunter, Bianca, and this small called Professor are from. Their people are from that that area. All right. Well, because I want to know, it's like, yeah, the Termellor tech, you know, if you notice it, that's going to be the main draw. Okay, we're here. And then you meet up with these people. You're going to run across somebody. After a while, they're going to realize somebody's digging around in, my, in the treasure room here. You may meet Spyro. You, you may, may meet, meet Nasty Norks. Norks or Nasty Nork himself. All right. Because I do want to give a little more flashing out as far as what this world is. Because if you get past... If you get past this... Out into the rest of the thing, what type of thing would you see? Would this be like in a castle or... I'm thinking a treasure vault. Probably it's somewhere in a castle. Or in a it cave is, or somewhere. It is some... Sort of like cave network, I believe. Okay. This Idet is going to want to explore past, you know, after they go, okay, let's check out, find out what's here, what's going on. You're going to need to know exactly what is out and about in this world other than this treasure room in this cave network. I'm seeing a treasure room. I think more it's in a castle. Just from what I've read, that was my first impression. Nasty's world seems to be more of a technical, technologically advanced realm than the Oblivion realms. Okay. That but, definitely puts it in the realm of, of goblins. Goblins typically are also listed as critters who know how to build things. Right. <sighs> Featuring most metal in the realm. TNT, harbors, ships, machine guns, vintages, lighthouses, oil platforms. Yeah. It's definitely more of a technological bet than the other realms. Okay. The, so they might the be low PL3. The dragons refer to it as the junkyard. Okay, so the the Norks live in sort of a PL3 society where there's more gear and clockwork, not necessarily steam tech. The rest of the realm might be PL2. Okay, it's a medieval setting, yeah. Okay, so I'm seeing that. And there, is a, there is a difference. Yes. All right. And let's be honest, the dragon realms are run by dragons, so yeah, they're in need of high technology. They got magic, so... Yeah, most dragons, if they deal with technology, it's merely because they don't have a spell that does what they need to do. Dragons, because, remember, and I'm going again with the how D&D had it, dragons are about as close to gods as you can get. They are incredibly long-lived. They are incredibly powerful magically. They're incredibly powerful physically. Dragons consider themselves the top of the damn food chain. Therefore, they're not going to pick up a blaster or wear any type of armor or even use cybernetics. Their natural forms are powerful enough. And usually, if there's a threat that can take out one dragon, they will cut. Now, remember, dragons are usually very territorial. A dragon stakes out his territory you may not have another dragon there because they're going to fight. But if there's one that's going to be coming in and taking out one dragon, it's going to call its friend saying, hey, you know what? This is mutual protection. If it's going to take me out, it's going to take you out too. We might want to... The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's one thing the team will notice a a difference in. The dragons being very territorial. In the dragon realms, you'll actually see multiple dragons in the same place. 
That's good, then. That's good. There are different kinds of dragons that do their own different things, but they're more cooperative than dragons in other places would be. Okay. Then that that will be good. They won't fight over the area as much. I am trying to, to really see what other things can be done in this world because you have dragons and you have anthropomorphic animals and you have these norks. It's going to end up still being pretty much a fantasy campaign. And as humans, the IDET team, and I keep wanting not to say IDET team because it's redundant. That's like ATM machine or pin number. The IDET is going to stick out like a sore thumb unless you've got Demixie, Tazeel, Brupians, Pangolis, Blizzniz, and whatever, because this is out at 60, whatever, and whatever other, you know, non-human humanoids or humans you've... Right, but humans are going to stick out. At the most, they're going to be seen as very weird, tall, weird-looking tall norks. They're going to be, I mean, these people are going to, these beings are going to see humans for the first time and just be like, what in the fresh hell is this? <laughs> what is that device they have in their hand? And why did it put a hole in my friend? They have no hair. They've got pink skin. What are they? You know, I would, I would think, you know, stepping through into the, into the loot chamber, if it's out if it minus 60, it's going to be a few years down the road and they're going, oh, look, gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diamonds, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not worth anything anymore. I mean, by this time, out to minus six, out to sixty. Yeah, gold. Yeah, I can point you to at least two El Dorado worlds where, yeah, gold. They paved the streets in it. Yeah, we don't need gold. <laughs> yeah, why is there a portal in a treasure room? You know, to still yeah. build build around it. You know, obviously they can't move it. The only way you can move one is with a crystal key. Right. Well, no, you can only move a warp with a crystal key. A portal is stationary no matter what. I would think, I would think that the team is is really going to end up looking around because they want to know why is it here specifically. Yeah, and the first thing you'll do is realize that the room is not your standard cavern. I mean, from looks of it, it's a little square. It's a little. It's a squarish room. Termellans usually just build these dome-like caverns. Why? Well, because they just simply use the life support feature and pfft, remove the remove the stone in a nice little dome. And the and domes are actually fairly structurally strong. So if you're in a squarish room, chances are someone built inside the dome, and you're now inside another secure. Basically, someone make the connection. You know that, that that portal barely clears the ceiling. <laughs> Someone built a room around this thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're gonna one think they may be outside until they go out the out out the door and realize no, we're still underground. <laughs> and then they spot the the norks. Yeah, this nastiest loot is part of it is described as castle-like buildings. Yeah. Than the mountainside. Ah, okay. So. Okay, so so basically, he's got a castle, but it's probably it's he built it here because of the of the portal he found. He said, "Yeah, I can't move it, so I'll just build around it." Okay. And where it is, I'll be my treasure room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And it doesn't. And no one's ever come through, or at least. 
it's never reacted with anything. It probably wasn't opened until recently, and now he just thinks, oh, it's a weird artifact, find Bill Ron, and all of a sudden he's hearing, wait a minute, what's in my what's in my treasure room? Holy crap, that thing works. Yeah. Much like we did for Link, uh, since this is not a prime, it's prob- they're probably, but there still may be a Meller here. An old Meller? Okay, watching to see if the world ever gets it together to be Commonwealth worthy, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, there, we know there's two kinds of Meller. One that's, you know, watches over things and one that wants to rule the world. Yeah. What if the reason why this thing's inside this, this building is because it's the other kind? But luckily, sterile. So they can't reproduce, which is 90, 90% of them, you know, can't re, 99% of them can't reproduce. So it's, it's a, it's a master miller, but stuck here because he can't, can't leave and, well, you know, I'm not going to – I need to make sure that no anything – I need to be the first one to know something comes through that portal. And who best other than Nasty Nork himself being that Master Miller? <laughs> oh. Oh, the look on Pixie's face. Just like, oh, wow, looks like you physically hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty Nork actually being an infected Miller. Well, if he's the big bad of if this in this big, world, if he is a big bad in the Well, having him as a master having, Miller would work wonderfully because he's wanted he's, to turn all these dragons into crystal statues. Yeah, he underestimated Spyro and then realizes no Spyro's a little more powerful than I thought, and now he has oh crap, humans with guns. Great, and yeah. and that would also make sense as to why. And that would also be why different pieces of Terminal and Tech are gathered here. If he's an infected, if he's an infected Nellar. Which means he actually has probably, okay, it's not just memory crystals. He probably has stuff here because uh, he, he, you know, he, he might actually have the working, you know, since Terminal and Tech may not be old. It may be stuff he's been putting together himself. You never know. He may be trying to put together some sort of bioweapon. You know, he can't fight the dragons normally. He'll try to do something about bio- something about bio- something some other way. Hmm. Well, problem is, unless he's got a storehouse of massive amounts of tech and like a lab and stuff, he's going to be relegated to PL2, PL3 technology. Yep. Medieval Renaissance level tech is not necessarily biotech weapon ready. What did, what did that one person say? Relegated to bearskins and stone tools. <laughs> yeah, so... Dealing with what he has. Right. Yeah, so he... Well, and again, you know, technically if you want to be a real jerk, a punji stick is considered a bioweapon, considering what they did with him. Yeah. No. He may be trying to put together something. I mean, basically, he has some tech, and he's basically... He's just trying to figure out how to make it, you know... He'd be better off of having absorbed a mage and going from there. He does a spellcaster and making a magical um, weapon. He is just having magical ability. That's how he throws the dragons anyway. Uh, that's true. Okay, yeah. In that case, then he's using he is using either magical just magical ability. items or techno magic. If he's technically adept, like you know, Commonwealth level tech, but all he's got is spells and gears, he'll make techno magic. 
Trav, cash your mind back, because we did an episode about what happens when a Miller gets infected by a werewolf or gets infected by a vampire or vice versa. Did we ever say that they would be able to actually have the real abilities, or did we say it was kind of up to the GM? I don't remember. I think it was up to the GM we, because... We said that, I believe we said that was up to the GM because oh, I no, this, this when you w- said something about a vampiric Melor, I was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm Check, out. please. Yeah. Yeah, but a uh, actually a, a lycanthrope Miller is more likely because it's especially if it's a curse rather than an infection, because you can pass on the curse. You just can't pass on an infection to the Miller's hyper strong, you know, immune system, which just go, yeah, right, mm. <laughs> eat you for lunch. <laughs> no, it's a curse. Yeah, but uh, magic, he would, you know, what he'd had to learn it. He would have to, you know. Unless he absorbs the memories of like a D and D sorcerer who does it naturally, then he doesn't have to learn it. He's got the power right then and there. Is magic something special here that you have to be, uh, be born with it? Yeah, if you he was says Nasty Nork was originally an inhabitant of the Dragon Realms, but as time went on, he found it hard to live with the dragon's rules and customs. He became chaotic and unruly as he gazed at the dragon's treasure cache of gems that were not only beautiful to look at, but also showed him the reflection of his ugly mug. Yeah, he's ugly. Okay. As time went on, Nasty began causing mischief, which soon escalated into trouble in the dragon realms as he began learning and meddling with magic. So he learned. So he basically became a wizard. Yes. So basically, so here magic can be learned by anyone then. Yes. It's just sometimes it doesn't work right depending on the particular person. So you still have to have a predisposition to learn magic. Um, Ripto. Uh, Remember seeing that name here, yes. First featured in Ripto's Rage or Gateway to Glimmer, depending on where you are. Okay. He is a dinosaur. Dinosaurs are not naturally predispositioned towards magic, so his magical abilities sometimes go don't go as intended. Okay. Yeah, because I see him in one one little, very tiny little picture, him casting, let's call it a magic missile, at, at, uh, at Spyro and... Yes. And Spyrex. The, the dragons banished Nasty to a wasteland world known as the Dragon Junkyard. Ah... He later claimed the junkyard as his kingdom and renamed the wastelands Nasty's World. And that's where he built his... Yeah. He realized his power was nothing without minions to command. After a while, he found a spell that can turn gems into norks and other unsightly beasts. So he started stealing the dragon's treasure and turning them into those things. Which is why when you defeat them, they drop gems. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't throw me in that briar patch. (laughs) (laughs) Dating yourself again, John. (laughs) Most of these kids are going, we're not getting these references these guys are doing. (laughs) The only one we understand is Pixie. (laughs) Yeah, considering that that movie has not been released in the United States since the 1960s. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why. Uh, Um, Okay, anyway. So the Dragons knew what Nasty was doing, but... 
believed it would be best to let it go for the time being, as they thought even with such manpower and nasty, it was still no threat to them. Yeah, they, that came back to bite them in the butt when they all got turned into crystal statues. Yeah. Yes, it did. When so they, we got a lot of... Okay, so I'm, I'm seeing a theme here of underestimation. The dragons underestimated Nork Nasty, and Nasty while, Nork, um, and Nork Nasty Nork underestimated Spyro, and that yes. came back to bite him in the butt later. I'm noticing this is a bite, pattern. It came back to bite the dragons in the butt when they... W- insulted him during a live interview and he chose to retaliate. Okay. Normally, you know, Miller, Master Miller tried to work from be, from from the from the uh from behind, but I, I I you know what? Being a dragon might be something beyond him. Sure he can take it on the form, but he doesn't actually have their magical ability to fly or breathe fire. He would be an odd very odd dragon if he tried to turn into a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the dragon mentality, as I said, the dragon's ego would be there with the Melors. Problem is, it's just, okay, I have the somewhat quadrupedal form and the wings and the neck, and okay, yeah. But I don't have the inherent dragon magic that lets me use any of it other than, I'm basically the equivalent of a horse you put wings on and, and some fangs. I can't fly. John, even without a spell, even without spells, dragons are still very physically powerful. Yes, but you know, let's be honest. You, you they would need breastbones three times, you know, ten times the size they got to be able to fly with their little wings. They're flying with magic. Well, yeah, or telekinesis. One or the other, and that's something that that Miller can't do. <laughs> what? Telekinesis, they have no psi powers. They can't get any psi powers. Remember, because the, the Tamelon did not want psi in their culture. So they removed all. You think they would give psi powers to their, to their, to the Melor? No. Dude, Melor are touch telepaths. No, they're memory stealers. And that's how they absorb memories. Uh, they but- touch telepaths. That is psi. No, that's actually them doing something else totally different. They're not telepaths. They're more like they're reading your brain, which is not exactly telepathy. They're like reading all the connections. I think we might want to discuss this at a later date with Bruce to try to get a better consensus, because I always said that they would touch telepaths. Because later on, uh, the lesser Miller have to eat the brain. Well, yeah. That just means that they're not cognizant enough to know how to use the psi powers. That's how I do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be touch tele- telepathy, but it's definitely not broadcast telepathy. And it's- Well, no, no, that's the whole point. Well, that's how Miller would... Tra- that's because we can even say that that was how the bioengineered um, virus, so to speak, is transmitted. Because how would the Mellor transmit information? They would just touch fellow Mellor and expect them to send it down the line. Well, now let's also remember uh, that when you when a Mellor touches you, you also take a you take a Constitution hit. Yeah, well, that's that's the Mellor, not that's Mellor touching non Mellor. When the Mellor transmit information to each other, that that con hit wouldn't take. They're doing the equivalent of linking up networks. Yeah, basically, we could we could say that either a touch telepaths or when they touch you. They're linking into your neural network and basically downloading your mind. That's why you're taking a constitution hit. Well, yeah, because our bodies are not Mellor bodies. Remember, the Mellor were made to be extremely durable, as in long-lived. 
right. our bodies are not so much. Therefore, when the Meller do, do their little, as as John Crichton calls it, hoodoo voodoo, our bodies take that con hit because we're not as resistant and sturdy as a Meller body is. That's it's why we sudden, take the con it, hit. It's a sudden, sudden shock. System shock, it's right. A system, it's a sudden shock. Something system. is happening to us that our body is not capable of absorbing like a fellow Bellor is. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's Let's get back. He may not take up a dragon form because it may he, he may not be able to use it to to its full ability, and therefore it would actually stand out more. Hey, look, it's a dragon who can't fly anymore. You know, I mean, otherwise, why is he a orc? There's got to be a reason why he's a orc and not a dragon. Uh, well, size matter because if the dragons he are also, getting big, he's also described as hating the dragons. Well, yeah, so... Yeah. It may be, because also we need to go back, because there was a, you know, Nasty Nork is... was a Nork. Yeah. And then he met then he met the Master Meller. And now the Master Meller is Nasty Nork, and Nasty Nork was delicious. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> He basically he went against type and chose a leader rather than a rather than a, a henchman, because well when he looked at the at the Norks he said yeah, I'm at so the top maybe, of the food chain here so yeah maybe <clears throat> Master Miller th this Miller was in the Junkyard all along, but okay. only took over Nasty Nork when the Nork was banished there yeah that could be true too. Yeah, he basically just took him over. Or for all we know, he's still running things from. He also could be running still things from behind from behind the screens too. So we don't necessarily know if Nancy Nork is a is a master miller. It's a good he, he might be. But if you want to use him as that, then that would be yeah, that would be that a heck of a, a good thing. Way to bring that in. Yeah, yeah. So that means there may be one way to find him. Because Meller do tend to do one thing, and that's they put their key inside them, their crystal key. Yeah. You know, because if they can change into a French ready form, they got the key inside them. They can go through the portal and not get zapped. Without the key, and he's in a French ready form, he'll get zapped even when he gets in sight of the portal. Yep, there's an auto defense system, Josie. When Melor, yeah, yeah, the infected Melor go through, and they're not in a French ready form with the key inside them. It's D100 points of unrated energy damage each round until they go through another portal. Then they cannot go back out on the system unless they're in a fringe with the front for another 24 hours. Right. And then the system, system resets. The system resets. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically has to do the gauntlet of getting to the portal, going through it and then running to another portal before he gets turned into so much ash. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically he's being hit every because it doesn't miss. Yeah, it's pretty much every six seconds. Zap, zap. If you don't zap. want to roll dice, it's fifty. It's fifty HP every turn. Bam, bam, on average. Yeah, if you do average, yeah, yeah. So if you know, so and if, even if he's a dead run, he'll still take a hundred points of damage before he even gets to the portal to go through onto the platform. Well, yeah, because it's 600. Well, he can just go to the portal to the left or the right. That's still like 100. That's still like a 50, 50 yards. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be two rounds. Yeah. Then every portal on the platform will start shooting at him. 
Well, I didn't think it was portal shooting. I just figured that all of a sudden, you know, they get zapped. I don't. It may come up from the platform for all we know. But anyways, anyways, babe, that does mean if you if he's if he's a Miller, you can just pull out your crystal key and go find crystal key. Because we did say that should be a power. Yeah, we might want to work that into Uh, I don't know Savage Worlds Fringeworthy. His only only official appearance was in the first game, but he's mentioned in several. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.